Good morning. Again, we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, it is good for us that God is God, and it is especially good for us that not only is God God, but that he is God all by himself. God, unlike us, is not subject to mood swings or fits of rage. Uh, he loves the world, although many spurn his grace and mercy. He is willing to forgive everyone, even though many are unwilling to repent. And in short, no one could or would or does love us as God does love us. Uh, the psalmist declares in Psalm 73, verse 1, he says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. God is good to us uh, all the time, and at that, in spite of the fact that we are who we are, and for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. I know we have a... Uh, place in our assembly where we acknowledge uh, the presence of those who visit with us. Uh, but I looked up this morning and saw my big sister come in. Now, now she's not my big sister biologically. I, some of you heard me talk about three brothers and say I never heard you mention a sister. She, she's not my biological big sister, uh, but she's been a big sister to me over the years. Uh, she's also our sister in the Lord, uh, Robin Darden. Uh, she worships with the Woodlawn Park congregation. Uh, but if I wanted to tell on us, we go all the way back to the Pitcher Street Church of Christ. Uh, and if I really wanted to tell, I could tell you the year, but uh, I don't want to tell you all that. Uh, but just glad to see her uh, in our audience uh, this morning. We want to direct your attention this morning to <clears throat> Numbers chapter 13. Uh, some of you may have noticed that this is the same text that we used on last Sunday. And just as an FYI, so you are not disappointed, uh, for the rest of the month of September, we'll be using this same text. Uh, so you're already ahead of the game. You already know where to have your Bible marked for the next few Sundays uh, uh, for the message. Uh, we want to look there at Numbers chapter 13. We want to read again verses 26 and 27. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Based on the account of Moses here in Numbers chapter 13, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, grapes, grasshoppers, giants, and God. And as we consider the text that we have here before us in Numbers chapter 13, uh, you will remember on last Sunday from this same text, uh, we gave consideration to uh, the subject, there's something in the struggle. And we gave 
uh, consideration to the fact that life is about more than just my circumstances. It, God uses what he allows to happen in our lives to help mature us as his children. And I believe as we think about that, we have to remember that God sees life from a better and broader perspective. Well, the analogy uh, of the parent-child is used when talking about us and God, uh, because I think back to how I saw things as a child and what my mother saw, and, and as I grew older, I began to appreciate that she just saw things from a better and broader perspective. When we talk about what goes on in life, God just sees things from a, a better and broader perspective. And one of the challenges of being a, a, a child of God is to appreciate that ours is not necessarily to understand God's purposes so much as it is to trust God's faithfulness. I, I don't always have to know why God is doing what he's doing or why God allows what he allows. I just need to remember to trust God. When we look at Numbers chapter 13, from the subject grapes, grasshoppers, giants, and God, uh, uh, each of these four elements is significant in the text. And if we make application to our own living, then we find that these elements can be read in our story as well as in Israel's. The grapes are indicative of the bounty of God's blessings. The grasshopper complex is indicative of the unwillingness to trust the providence of God. The giants are what one sees when looking by sight rather than by faith. And God is our merciful Father who deals with us in spite of. When we look at Numbers chapter 13, let me present a question for your consideration. How much do you want God to bless you? I, I would venture that when uh, uh, that question is asked, uh, our mind runs to all the things that we want God to do for us. Uh, how much do you want God to bless you? I, I would venture somebody says, well, I sure like to be freed from debt, and, and it'd be nice if God could just do that and I not have to go through FPU and work my way through it. Uh, I imagine there's somebody here that's dealing with a disease or a sickness and say, uh, uh, I'd just sure appreciate it if God would touch me with his healing hand and, and cure me uh, of my malady. Maybe somebody's in a troubled relationship or having problems in your home and said, if God would just bless me with peace in my home, I, I, I think I'd, I'd be satisfied with that. Now let me ask you to consider that same question a second time, but this time let me give you the real answer. How much God blesses us is predicated upon how far we are willing to go with God. And, and I say that because sometimes we want things, but we aren't willing to do what it takes to uh, uh, get the things that we say that we want. Uh, again, I could appeal just to the idea uh, uh, of trying to trim down some. I, I would venture that many of us know what we need to do to trim down. It, it, but, but you have brothers and sisters that are going out to, 
an Olive Garden or Red Lobster after worship service. And, you know, it's just hard to sit at the table when folk are eating lasagna and, and lobster and all of that and just stick with the salad uh, uh, and the soup. I, I would venture that we know what we need to do to slim down, but, but I'm not always willing to invest what it takes to get what I say I want. How far am I willing to go with God? When we talk about God blessing us, uh, uh, do you remember the account of Elisha and the widow from, from 2 Kings chapter 4? You remember Elisha tells her, go out and get as many pots as you can. And uh, 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 she kept pouring out the oil, and every time they brought a new pot, there was still oil to be poured into the pot. And, and Elisha tells her, go sell uh, uh, the oil and pay off your debtors and, and live off the rest. I, I believe there are, are at least two principles to be gleaned uh, uh, from that account about how God blesses us. And the first principle is that God does not do for us what he enables us to do for ourselves. Sometimes God blesses us, but it's not, not something in my hand. It's the ability to acquire what I say I need. Uh, 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 God blesses all of us to earn a living. But he doesn't just rain money out of the sky. He gives us the wherewithal to work jobs and to be productive citizens. And then the second principle is that God's blessings are given in proportion to our faith. See, God doesn't give us things just so that we'll be unfaithful with them. God gives us things for us to use to his glory. And if God looks at me and measures me and see that I won't be faithful with it, if I get my hands on it, the one thing I can be sure of is that God didn't give it to me. When we look at Numbers chapter 13, God gave the promised land to Israel. I, I know this because again in verse number 2 there, God says, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Now God gives them the land, but there were some things that Israel had to do as a matter of obedience to receive the promise. I give you the land, but you've got to go in and subdue it. I give you the land, but you've got to walk faithfully after my commandments. It, God gave them the land, but required some things of them in terms of receiving it. And, and I believe that same principle works in our lives today and, and could be the reason that we are living beneath our privilege. Remember, Israel's story is our story. God has already given us blessings. I, I, I think about John 10, verse number 10. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I believe that Jesus has already done everything needed for us to live the abundant life. But, but like Israel had to go in and subdue the land, there are some things we must do to receive the promise. And like Israel, we often fall short of God's glory. But we have the advantage of being able to learn from Israel's example and Israel's mistakes. And I believe that if the Israelites could speak to us, I believe they would share a number of things with us from their wilderness experience. Again there in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, 
and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great, and moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. I, I believe if we could talk to the Israelites, that number one, they would tell us that opportunity is often accompanied by opposition. You ever notice that it seems like whenever a door is open, that there's always somebody or something on the other side trying to push the door closed. When we look at Numbers chapter 13, at the first part of the report of the spies, the Israelites jumped for joy. When they saw the big cluster of grapes and they tell them it's a land that flows with milk and honey, that the Israelites are just happy as they can be but, but then they say, but, but, but the men there are big, and, and the land devours the inhabitants thereof. And at the second part of the report, they cried like babies. Opportunity is often accompanied by opposition for a number of reasons. And, and somebody said, preacher, well, like what? Well, I submit to you, number one, because your enemies can't stand to see you prosper. And what we ought to appreciate is our chief enemy is a hater. Uh, you remember the declaration of, of Peter, 1 Peter 5, verse 8? Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, Peter tells us the devil is your enemy. But not only is he our enemy, the, the devil is a hater. Now, now, you want to know what a hater is. You remember where, where Paul counsels us to weep with those that do weep and rejoice with those that do rejoice? Well, well a hater rejoices when you weep, and they weep when you rejoice. A, a hater can't be happy for your success. It, it, when you succeed, a hater's got to find some kind of way to try to undermine it. Well, well the devil is just a hater, and, and he is our chief enemy. Have you ever wondered why the devil waited until after you obeyed the gospel to really get busy in your life? Now, I know he was busy before you obeyed the gospel, but, but once you obeyed the gospel, he really got busy. It, it, why is that? It, 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 because he sees the opportunity there provided by your obedience to the gospel of Christ Jesus. And you start having trouble out your family that you never had before. You start having trouble in your home that you may not have had before. Why is that? Because the devil is a hater. And what haters do when they see the object of their hate blessed with opportunity is they go into action. And appreciate that haters aren't just cruel in their speech, they are malicious in their actions. You remember the healing of the blind man in John chapter 9? You remember the haters showed up after Jesus healed the man. Uh, uh, talking about this man can't be a man of God, even though he's done the works of God, and, and you can't deny what you've seen. But, but you remember they go around and ask his parents, is this your son whom you say was born blind? That man been out here every day. Everybody knows the boy was born blind. It, it, it ain't like we just showed up in town and y'all never saw us before. You remember they said, give God the praise. We know this man is a sinner. That's what haters do. See, see, haters see the work of God, and even then they got to try to undermine it. And, and do you remember what they did to the man who had once been blind? Uh, 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 verse 34, they said, you are altogether born in sins. 
And then they cast him out of the temple. That's what haters do. Haters see the work of God and they cannot rejoice because God is being good to somebody. They got to find a way to try to undermine it. Appreciate that everybody has some haters. And I know that because even Jesus had haters. And if Jesus had haters, you had some too. And that's just not too bad. Just don't be a hater yourself. You know, weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. But I must expect that if God blesses me with opportunity, it is usually accompanied by opposition. That's just what the devil does. He, he just shows up when, when there's opportunity. Uh, it, it, why did the devil show up when he did in, in Job's account? It, why, why that particular day? You know, God's question leads me uh, 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 to conclude that, that the devil wasn't invited. But you know, God never asked a question for information. There, there never time God needed to know something and had to ask a question to find out. But you remember, he, he asked Satan, from whence comest thou? That that's really more, what you doing here? That, that you weren't invited. You ever had somebody show up uninvited? Now, now you want to ruffle some feathers, just show up uh, uninvited, especially to something that I'm laying out some money for. Uh, uh, I, I didn't ask you to be here. Well, well, no, he didn't need an invitation because he's a hater. And, and wherever he sees opportunity, he feels it necessary to step in uh, uh, to try to undermine it. And we know from the Bible record that one of the devil's weapons is deceit. But what we often fail to appreciate is how he deceives us. See, the devil wants us to doubt the opportunities that God presents to us. Do you know when struggles come into your life, that's opportunity? The devil doesn't want you to see struggle as opportunity. He wants you to see struggle as just struggle. He wants you to see struggle as problem. He wants you to see struggle as something I can't overcome. But, but, but appreciate struggles are how God builds character. Struggles are what uh, 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 teach us to trust in the faithfulness of God. The devil doesn't want you to see struggle as an opportunity. He just wants you to see it as something unpleasant. But then looking further there in, in, in Numbers chapter 13, in, in verse number 30, the Bible says, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. I submit to you second this morning that strength is necessarily accomplished through struggles. There are just some things that you really don't know just by reading your Bible. Now appreciate what I'm saying. You can know God is good by reading your Bible. The Bible says again and again, oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. But, but, but if you want to experience the goodness of God, you need a struggle or two in your living. If you want to know God as a deliverer, you've got to be delivered from something. If you want to know God as a provider, you need to be in a position where he's had to provide for you. And I think when we look at our struggles and when we look at life, we often miss the fact that life is not just about where I want to be. It's also about what will help me be successful once I get there. See, it's one thing to get something, it's something else to keep it after I've received it. Now, in 1 Peter 4, verse number 10, uh, uh, Peter tells us, As every man hath received the gift, 
Even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Now, if you want to talk about what it means to be successful, I, I submit to you that being successful is being a good steward of God's grace. So God can give me things, but it's more about just, uh, more than just about having things. Will I be successful when he gives it to me? See, I could just give you the land, Israel, but, but will you be faithful with it when I give it to you? Do you remember last Sunday we looked at, and, and the Bible said God didn't lead them the short way to the promised land? He didn't lead them through the land of the Philistine. Could have led them right up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. But God said, but, but if you all have to go that way, uh, uh, your hearts will, will be overcome with fear when you go through the land of the Philistine. So I'm going to take you the long way, prepare you, uh, put some, some strength in your heart so when you get to the promised land, uh, you'll have the wherewithal to hold on to it. What we need to appreciate is our struggles are about more than the circumstances of the moment. Now, mind you, struggles will put you through some things. And, and, and I don't know anybody that's signing up for struggles. You know, I, I think we do our level best to avoid struggles where we can. And, and you know, sometimes you cause yourself more trouble by trying to avoid a struggle than if you just went through it and, and trusted the uh, uh, faithfulness of God. But God wanted Israel to see beyond the opposition they would face. He wanted them to see him. See, when you go into the land, I know the children of Anak are there. Ain't no surprise. The spies are coming back to tell you what's over there. I already know what's over there. Who you think picked out the land in the first place? The spies are not going over there for my benefit. But what I want you to see when you get over there is see me rather than see how big the people are when you get there. Think back uh, 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 when we asked the question, how much do you want God to bless you? You know, if you said, you may have God freed me from debt. Well, if God freed me from debt without helping me to be faithful in giving and wise in spending, how long would it be before I was in debt all over again? Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen that in life. I've seen people buy other people out of debt, and before you could shake a stick, they deeper in debt than they were the first time. See, it's not just about getting to the promised land. It's about being prepared to inhabit it once I get there. Have you been praying to God to, to help you, to deliver you? Now, now God is a deliverer, but, but maybe I need to focus on my attention on, Lord, help me be faithful with the blessing once you give it to me. God is able to bless us, but Lord, help me be faithful so that I don't lose it. Help me be faithful so I can be a good steward uh, uh, of your grace. And then third there, in, in verse number 31, but the man, you know when you see that word, but. Boy, that's a problem word. But the man that went up with him said, now, now Caleb then already said, look, God has given us the land. I don't care who's over there. Let's go get it. But the man that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. I, I submit to you third this morning, that omission is tragically the downfall of the obstinate. Now, now, you know what it means to be obstinate, don't you? Obstinate is just stubborn. Yeah, you know somebody just stubborn, they, they just got to be right. I mean, they wrong as two left shoes and they still gonna be right. 
And, and the only thing worse than an obstinate person is arguing with an obstinate person. See, when a person is obstinate, you, you need to know, at some point I need to just shake the dust off my feet and, and, and tend to something more productive. The term obstinate fits Israel because they persisted in a contrary path. And, and appreciate, it's not as though Israel had a hiccup here, or here and there along the way. They were contrary from the time they left Egypt. Uh, and I know this because in Exodus 32 verse 9, uh, the Bible says, and the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. It just, just always finding something to complain about, or always doubting what I tell them, always crying about something. God said, these people are obstinate. And here's where we have to be careful. Remember, Israel's story is our story. And our chief enemy doesn't want us to see omission for what it really is. Now, now, when I say omission, I mean factoring God out of the equation. Remember what God told them, I give you the land. But what did the men say? We be not able to go up again. See, you done factored God out of that equation. Because God said, I give it to you, but you say we can't go fight them. Well, what happened to God in the process? Sometimes we do that in our living. We factor God out of our living. I, I am not able to take this. Well, you couldn't take it in the first place. I, that ain't no revelation. There never was anything you could handle by yourself. But, but, but it's not you. Remember God said, I give you the land. It is Christ that did. What did Paul say, Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's not about me, it's Christ working in me. Yeah, I can't do it, but when Christ works in me, uh, I can do all things. But you see how they factored God out of this? God says, I give you the land. And then they say, we be not able to go up against them. Yeah, you all can't, but it's not us fighting them, it's God fighting on our behalf. But the devil doesn't want us to see omission for what it really is. And omission, plainly stated, is blasphemy. See, when I decide that God can't be trusted and his promises will fail, however I may arrive at that conclusion, I'm calling God a liar. That's what Israel did in verse 31. Now, God says in verse number 2, I give you the land. In 31, Israel said, we be not able to go up against the people. So somebody got to be wrong here. God must have lied to us then, because God said, I give you the land. And here they are talking about we, we be not able to go up again. Now, now, if you were raised in a proper house, you know, you had to be careful about using the word lie in the first place, and you sure enough didn't tell an adult they were lying. I mean, and they could be lying on you hard, but you could not say to an adult, you're a lie. See, now they might be lying. You're going to get the whooping just for saying that they were. Well, how dare we call God a liar? God tells them, I give you the land. Now, 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 they, now, I know they didn't come out and say, God, you lying, but that's effectively what they said. We be not able to go up against the people. Now, now if the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, and, and I'm sitting there talking about I can't, well, somebody got to be wrong. The devil doesn't want you to see it, though, as calling God a liar. It, 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 what the devil wants us to see it is, is as justified rationalization. No, I'm not, I'm not lying, but see, you don't know the people I know. 
See, that, that, that's rationalizing it. Well, however you want to dress it, it, when you undress it, I'm calling God a liar. And obs uh, uh, omission is tragically the downfall of the obstinate. God wanted Israel to trust him. I don't care about what you see with the eyes in the front of your face. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. Trust me. Isn't that our lot in life today? I, I don't care what your circumstances are. Trust me. Now, now I didn't promise you that you're going to go through this thing completely unscathed. No scratches, no bumps, no bruises. What I promised you is that you were going to make it through. Yeah, sometimes you're going to take some bumps and some bruises. Uh, you know, bumps and bruises sometimes help you tread a little wiser. But what God promised is, I will bring you through. I will be your provider. I will be your deliverer. And, and, and what Jesus told us, and we need to trust God to do this daily. Look, don't expect God to lay out your provision from now to the end of your living in details. What does the Bible tell us? Seek first the kingdom of God today and all these things will be added unto you it's easy to look at Israel's story and see where they made their mistake why don't you just trust God I mean he told you I give you the land well hadn't God done the same thing with us hadn't he already promised us I will never leave you I will never forsake you hadn't he told us that we can do all things because Jesus is our strength our story is their story and it's no harder for us to trust God than it was for them. I, I know what you said. You know what our problem is. I, I know what you said, but I also know what I see. See, and sometimes what you see is just a monster. I, yeah, Lord, I know, but I see. See, stop, stop looking with the eyes in, the, in, in your head and, 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 and see things with the eyes of faith. And trust that God will work it out to his glory. See, what we were like, now, Lord, if you can sit here and tell me how this thing is going to work out and I don't get any bumps, bruises, or scratches, then I'm all in. Well, who couldn't do that? <laughs> Sometime God chooses us to suffer on his behalf. Yeah, Stephen didn't walk away from, uh, from standing in front of the Sanhedrin. They stoned him to death. Yeah, the history tells us that Paul was beheaded at uh, 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 Nero's chopping block. That Peter was crucified upside down. Sometimes God uses suffering of his children to glorify himself. Where I need to grow to the point is, Lord, you know, have you ever seen that song, Anyway You Bless Me, Lord, I'll Be Satisfied? Do you know to suffer on God's behalf is a blessing? See, our problem is blessing. We think blessing, we always think smiles and sunshine. Now, all blessings don't move you to smile. I need to grow to the point where, Lord, however you want to use me, that's how I want to be used. If you want to use me like you used Abraham, I'm all right with that. You want to use me like you used Jonah, I'm all right with that. If you want to use me like you used Jeremiah or, or, or Hosea, I, I'm all right with that. Now, be careful, because God will take you up on what you say. Out there volunteering all big. They're talking about why is this happening to me? Because you volunteered. You want up there talking about any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. I'm using you to glorify me. That's a blessing. 
God wants to be our provider, our deliverer, our strength. And he calls us to him in the person of Christ Jesus to submit ourselves to the gospel of Christ that we might be reconciled to him and, and adopted as children uh, in his family. Now, he calls us by the preaching of the gospel. We need to hear the gospel message, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We need to believe that Jesus is the Christ. John 8, verse 24, Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And the belief in the Bible is more than an intellectual assent of a fact. It is a belief that moves us to action. And in this case, the action is to turn from sin and to turn to God. Luke 13, 3, Luke 13, 5, Jesus says, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. We must make the confession of faith in Christ, Matthew 10, 32, and then be baptized in, in water in, in Jesus' name for the remission of sins. And when we go down into the waters of baptism as a matter of grace and mercy, God washes away our sins and dwells us with his spirit and he adds us to the church. And thereafter, he requires that we walk worthy of being called his children. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, you want the church to pray for you. And if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand and as we sing the song of invitation. <laughs>